listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. disorganized okay actually I was just thinking this was amazing this was the most the technology has served us up to this point (laughs) so we're getting used to things the reason you see it on the screen we've got a room next door uh, that's for our our moms of tiny babies that they can go to and there's a TV in there and they can see what's going on and we're trying to accommodate everybody And so uh, I'm just happy that you're here. Okay, so the song is called Revival, and it was about, it was celebrating the fact that Patrick or St. Patrick lit a bonfire in defiance of the pagan king, and that bonfire was symbolic of the revival that started in Ireland that spread across the country. And within a hundred years, Ireland, which had been a totally pagan, godless country that did not have any witness of Jesus Christ, became a nation that started sending missionaries. And there was a man named Columba, which means dove, and he went to Scotland, and he set up a beachhead in Scotland where the gospel went all over Scotland. And then it went from there. And guys, this is the power of the gospel. And we need it now more than ever. Okay? We need it now more than ever. You know, this year kind of reminds me of 1968. 1968 was a crazy year. It was an election year. There were assassinations. There were riots. There were demonstrations. But 1968 marked the start of a great revival called the Jesus Movement. And some of us are here today because of the Jesus Movement, because people who had formerly been known as hippies became Jesus freaks. And guys, we're still around. Our hair might be gray, but we're not going away. Okay. Guys. We can have the lights back on, okay? Forget the video, it's done. That moment is gone. All right. (laughs) We are in our world ripe for a revival. A time of awakening, a time of renewal. The light shines brightest in darkness. The lyrics to the song that we were going to hear, and we will hear it, stay tuned next week. It's a prayer, very timely for our day. Spirit, fall down. Start a holy riot. Wouldn't you like to see a a holy riot? Fill this place now with tongues of fire. Oh, break the strongholds. Come and unleash heaven. Burn within us. Make us bold as lions. 
This is our revival anthem. Can you feel the darkness shaking? Oh, we are the dry bones rising. This will be our great awakening. This is our revival anthem. Fill our hearts, Lord, with a holy danger. Lead us beyond our fear of failure. We'll fight the good fight in your strength and power. We'll take back the night. Victories, victory is ours. Here's the bridge. You can find this on YouTube, by the way. Revival Rend Collective. We will praise you when our hearts are breaking. We will praise you when our world is caving. We will not, we will not be moved. We will praise you till we see your kingdom. Greater things are surely coming. You are God and you are on the move. This is our revival anthem. Can you feel the darkness shaking? We are the dry bones rising. This will be our great awakening. Amen? Amen. So on Easter Sunday, we lit a revival bonfire to declare that the light of the world had come. On Mother's Day, out on the patio, Kim Pittner declared that judgment must begin in the house of God, and he challenged us to become a house of prayer. Where do great revivals come from? They come from prayer. They are birthed in the hearts of God's people. Chris last week declared that we just don't need an experience with the Holy Spirit. We need the spirit of holiness to change our behavior. If we're going to lead a revival church, Recent events have caused us to ask, who is my neighbor? Which is a question that a young lawyer asked Jesus. He asked what the greatest commandment was. And Jesus said, number one, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love him with everything you have. And it's more just than love, it's obedience, it's commitment, it's complete dedication, it's Romans 12, 1 and 2, offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Give it all to God, he's saying. But number two, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And the result, when the, when the man said, well, who's my neighbor? Who, who am I supposed to love? Do we even know our neighbors anymore? It's hard. Who, who's my neighbor? Jesus told a parable. He told a story that most of us are familiar with. It's called the Good Samaritan. And Jesus prophetically turned racism on its head. The Samaritans were hated by the Jews. 
half-breeds, less than. And they were neighbors just to the north. But in this parable, it wasn't about a pious Jew that looked at the lowly Samaritan and said, oh, I'll help you. I have privilege. I have blessing. I got it together. No, it was about a Jew that needed help. And the religious people could not help him. He was beaten. He was robbed. He was left for dead. The old song goes, bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. And this hated outcast poured in the oil and the wine, which was a way of cleaning the wounds of the beloved Jewish man, taking him and setting him up and covering all his needs and going way beyond any of us. I mean, I can see helping somebody and taking him to the ER and saying, you got this now. <laughs> I'll see you later. But no, he said, I'm taking care of everything. Here's my credit card number. There's no limit on it. And if you need anything else, you just charge it to my account. Whoa, nobody does that. Not even for our kids, that would be so dangerous. <laughs> so the hated one becomes the good guy and stepped in when religion could not. Whoa, and that's my neighbor. Huh. And today in America, if we were to tell this parable, if Jesus were here today, who would he name to us, the church? Who's my neighbor? We could call it the good Muslim. Ooh. The good white guy. The good old white guy, okay? The good black guy. The good Asian. One of the benefits of traveling, and I'm going through withdrawals, by the way. <laughs> I've never been in one place so long in my life. I haven't even been to Mansfield, okay? <laughs> I haven't. Cedar Hill is as far as I've been since about the end of March. One benefit of traveling, and I highly recommend it, when you can do it, do it. is that we get to experience goodness from many different cultures. People that don't look like us, people that don't sound like us, people that don't dress like us. And we get to find out when we travel that different doesn't mean bad just because it's different. 
And after a while, you start to crave new experiences and, and the joy of diversity. Because yeah. like I said last week, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children. And he even loves us when we get older. Because <laughs> it's easy to love a baby. <laughs> John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. Just think of it. Think of our culture and the way we worship the way we dress, the way we look and live our lives, just think of how out there we would be for the Jews of the first century. Oh, man. Yeah. It it was quite a culture shock when Paul started to reach out to the non-Jewish population. On Thursday, I was so honored and privileged to gather with city leaders and pastors at the police department. What a beautiful picture it was. We had a wonderful dialogue and a time of prayer that took place. Pastor Mack of One Church, we've had picnics with One Church. We've met together. Mack is a wonderful man. God spoke to him when he was in Germany to plant a church in Midlothian, Texas. He didn't know what Midlothian, Texas was. Little did he know. Little did he know that Midlothian church needed what he had to offer by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the first things he did when he got here is he created a friendship with our police chief, Carl Smith, who was very much a white guy. He's a lot whiter than I am, okay? And those two became good friends. What an awesome thing. And tonight, Pastor Mack and his church, they're going to have a march from the police station to City Hall just to say we're all in this together, not to declare any political agenda. Guys, this is not political. Nothing about today is political whatsoever. Hate it. Hate is not a strong enough word for how politicized everything has to become. From the coronavirus to whether or not you wear a mask. Okay? So just throw it out the window. Not your mask. Okay, keep your mask. If you're wearing a mask, it's fine. It's great. Do what you feel like you need to do in your heart. There is absolutely no judgment. There is no judgment for you following your heart. Honestly, we're going to love you as you are and believe you for whatever God wants you to be. That's what he does. (laughs) And if I march alongside Pastor Mac. I'm only becoming a good neighbor, right? Doesn't mean I agree 100% with everyone that has ever marched for anything. Because I don't agree with a lot of it. But there's a lot I can't agree with, and that is that we're one nation under God. That is, we all have purpose and potential. That is, we shouldn't be treated differently just because we're different. 
Jesus was the champion of the underdog. He loved and accepted people that no one would have anything to do with. We're his church. We have his name. Communion reminds us that we are not alone. It reminds us that all of us, all, all, are invited to the table. It reminds us there are neither Jew, nor Greek, no slave, no free, no male, no female. Galatians 3.28 says, you are all one in Jesus Christ. We have to be in Jesus Christ to come to the table. And that's as simple as saying, I believe you are the Son of God. I love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. And I pledge to love my neighbor as myself. Come to the table. Galatians 3 was written to confront the desire to conform. to conform non-Jewish people to Jewish laws and customs. Okay, now that you need to become like us. Well, there's some things we need to do and there's some things we don't need to do. And Paul was adamant with very harsh language about this mindset of outward conformity. I'm not going to repeat what he said, but it's in the Bible. We heard a word... A few months ago from Cole, our elder, in hiding right now. No, he's required by his company. He is over power plants, the power grid. He has a lot to do with the fact that we have air conditioning right now. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And he needs to stay... He has to answer a question, have you been within six feet of anyone not in your household this week? So he's, he's laying low, and that's cool. But he had this word, and it's recommit, rebuild, and renew. When we receive communion, we are recommitting the covenant. We are reminding ourselves that Jesus is the only way. And he has come to renew our lives. He has come to rebuild our lives. When we receive this sign of the covenant, we're to do so with prayer. We are to do so in conversation with God. We're to make things right that aren't right. We're supposed to receive it with heart searching. And we recognize that there's so much power in this covenant that Jesus made with us. It was a covenant that was sealed with blood. That's a pretty strong covenant, guys. His own blood. Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Old Testament is an ancient contract between a Lord and his servants. The name Deuteronomy means second law, 
in ancient Greek, it means a retelling or restating of God's contract or covenant with his people. It was Moses explaining to a new generation, this is how it works. And, and I found this in my, my I have this archaeology Bible that just came out, and it's so cool. But from ancient contracts they've found between powerful lords and smaller communities that needed protection, Deuteronomy follows the format of one of these contracts, these covenants. There is a review of the relationship, the history. This is how we got to be at this point. It is a stating of the requirements that each party would be expected of. And there are blessings and cursings. If you follow the covenant, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. You don't, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed, you're cursed. And it would be something that the people would be familiar with. Now, we're not, because we don't live back then, but through the amazing scholarly research that's been done, we see that God had a contract or a covenant with his people. And the people didn't have a whole lot to offer except themselves. Does this sound familiar? Deuteronomy 29.13 says, By entering into this covenant today, he will establish you as his people and confirm that he is your God, just as he promised you. And he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Deuteronomy 30.19 says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth as witness the choice you make, or that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. How do I choose life? By loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we have a new covenant. We have a new testament. Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant and to make a new agreement with us. Jesus ratified the new covenant with his blood at his Passover meal. Isn't that amazing? I'm amazed every time I think about that. That it was Jewish Passover the very night itself when they celebrated the old covenant, the shedding of blood, and Jesus said... This cup you're about to drink, this is my blood. And I'm ratifying the new covenant with this symbol at this Passover. Covenants were always ratified with blood. You know what that speaks of? Seriousness. He said, this is my body with the bread that he had, and this is my blood with the wine. And guys, this is where it gets personal. We still have a choice. We can be blessed, or we can go our own way. 
Communion reminds us that Jesus made a covenant with us, and when we participate, we declare outwardly that we choose Jesus and therefore choose the covenant and thereby choose the blessing. Blessing is a choice. Amen? We still have a choice. So when we choose him and we're open, he can use us to bring light into the world. He can use us to bring revival and renewal. He can use us to bring hope. I think we need a lot of hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. He can use us to bring beauty from ashes. He can use us to fulfill Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to open prison doors, to set people free. Good news for the poor. Good news for those who are suffering. Good news for those who are oppressed. He can use us, you and me, whether you just graduated from high school, whether you're not even in school yet, or when you're on in years, when Lauren said, 2050, I quickly did the math. <laughs> 92 I'll be. He can use us to continue the ministry of Jesus Christ because we are his church, we are his body, we are his representatives on earth. This was his plan. As I said a couple weeks ago, this was his idea. And if God has an idea, I think it's a good idea, and it will work. But he needs our cooperation. So let's choose this together. Deacons, put out the elements. Choose life. Choose blessing. Choose revival. Does that sound like a good choice?